We got errands. Bring us in. Spreading yourself thin. Every day, I try to win. I somehow come in. But I always forget my keys. Always try to please. But somehow, I fall down. I skin my knees. And then I come back and get up. Any way I please. And that's the way I spread myself so thin, taking on so many other people's needs. And we're going to start talking about it right here. Because we keep going at this every year. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. We should have been rappers, honestly. That's what I know. we're really getting down here. This you see what I mean? You got to be crazy. It's too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, Bozo. Well, if we wouldn't have been spreading ourselves so thin, we could have been. <laughs> uh, no, you mean while we were spreading ourselves so thin, I learned how to beatbox and you learned how to rap. Lord Almighty, what have we done? This episode is spreading yourself thin. Too thin. Too thin. Too thin. Spreading yourself out too thin, like a thin pancake, like a crepe. Like a crepe. Um, yeah. This is about doing too many things or saying yes to too many things and the results. Or taking on, yeah, taking on too many projects, things at once. Mm-hmm. So what are like why do we have this tendency? What is it about ADHDers, do you think, that makes it so that we're always saying yes to things or taking on too much more than we can handle? Well, impulse has got to be in there. So categorically, ADHDers, regardless of extroversion or introversion or any of the wonderful personality quirks that we acquire over maturing and growing up, impulsive is a character trait that we universally share, if I'm correct and confident in saying we like to act on impulse or like is probably the wrong word but we often act on impulse or we have the um, propensity to act on impulse so we end up taking on things and not thinking about all the consequences right we go with our with that decision gut before doing the necessary research or self-reflection we go with our gut before checking our gut Yes, we, uh, we, we should all have the phrase, check yourself before you wreck yourself, tattooed somewhere on our body so that we can <laughs> remind ourselves. Um, because the instinct, the impulse is to say yes. But there's we also something else tied into that. Wreck ourselves yes. way before we check ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Often and a lot. So the other thing that's wrapped into impulse, though, or wrapped, wrapped together with impulse, it's not just... Um, it's not like it's and, and, and I'm not trying to be pejorative. Yeah. It's not like it's not like Tourettic. It's not like Tourette's. Like we just say yes all the time. Mm-hmm. It's the impulse is to join in. And where does that impulse come from? ADHDers, by and large, have a unique type of or a unique amount of empathy found or observed in ADHDers: male, female, extrovert, introverted, old, young. We like to be involved. We feel FOMO, the fear of missing out a lot harder than our neurotypical peers. And therefore, when someone presents this really cool thing Mm -hmm. to either work on, go do, have fun with, et cetera, we think, I really want to do that. 
yes, I really want to do that. I want to help out. I want to be a part of the group. Can I be a part of the group? I would love to help out. I love friends. I want more friends. Can I be part or, of the group? we're afraid we're going to let that person down and hurt their feelings. Precisely, which is just as tough to grapple with, right? Oh, I don't want to say no. I don't want to hurt their feelings. If I hurt their feelings, they're not going to like me as much. And then they're going to say, mm-hmm. so it's, a, it's a people pleasing or it's a way to, to make friends, to fit in, yeah. to not upset people that you want to be your friend. Sometimes we, we have an inordinate amount of fear about this or you know, hesitancy about this. Um, and, yeah, and, and I think, I'm glad that you bring up also yeah. letting people down because I think I can often get confused with being just really excitable, but that's, that's often half the time, right? That's often mm-hmm. 50% of the case. The other half is a fear. It's fear-based. Yeah, like upsetting someone or getting yeah. into a fight or having them be disappointed in you. That's a, yeah. it's so big. And that does come, come down, I think, some when you boil it down, it comes down to confidence too, that even if we're – even if we're confident in the moment and we're like, oh yeah, sure, I can take that on. I can do that. Um, there's also, that's bundled with, I think, a bit of insecurity that even though it's a projection of confidence, mm. underneath that is a bit of insecurity about what if I say no, what does that mean? Does that mean I, I'm incapable of doing that? What does it say about oh, me? Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Something else that slipped my mind. What is What is the what is the commentary based on my decision, which honestly is maybe we could even tie that perhaps yeah. to a heightened sense of perfectionism as well. Yes. Like perfecting our image, not just like perfecting a task, but we want to be seen as uh, good people, as kind people, as competent, fast, quick, smart, clever, whatever, like you fill in the blank. We, mm-hmm. we, we seek a good image. And, and there's definitely a fear there that if we say no, if we turn something down or if we upset someone, then we somehow defame that image. And, and to, be the own, to be our own arbiters of, of embarrassment or of like defamation is, is terrifying, right? The idea that we could have done this to ourselves. We're, we're oftentimes so worried about other people's opinions or, or how they feel about us, that perception in the public, the public perception of you, who you are, who you're trying to be, who you're projecting outwardly to others, and comparing that version of you, that identity that you hold dear to yourself, to this concept that you have in your head. Yeah. And sometimes for, I mean, for very confident people, this oftentimes looks more extroverted and it can be, you know, over-socializing or it can come off as, as kind of a people pleaser or something else like that. But then for folks that are less confident, have a lower self-esteem, more insecurities, maybe are a little bit more introverted, it's, sometimes it's even more detrimental or damaging. To right, crippling. Crippling, because they, they develop some social anxiety, they avoid certain situations, they really judge themselves very harshly, yeah. all this kind of stuff. So I, I see this in a lot of clients I work with who come in and, and tell me stories about this kind of stuff. Um, like I'm working with, with a guy right now who, you, if you met him, he comes across very, you know, he's a good-looking guy. He acts confident. Um, there's nothing really that stands out. I mean, I have a lot of other clients who they might have quirky parts about them that would really kind of stand out or be a little bit socially um, obtruse or awkward. Mm. and harder for them to fit in and you can point to those characteristics 
and identify those. But this guy, no, no observable things about him. But when you ask him about himself, like his own perception of who he is and how he comes across, he thinks that other people think he's weird. That's what he'll tell Wildly you. Wildly so People different. think I'm yeah. weird. People don't like me. And I'm like, what's the evidence for this? Where, where yeah. are you getting this from? Is it, you don't have friends? No, I have friends. Okay. Um, you have a lot of friends? Yeah, a pretty good amount. But why are you thinking you're so weird? And it's this warped perception that he has in his mind about how other people are perceiving him or how weird he thinks he is. Huh. And he was yeah, yes. avoiding going to classes, yeah. like literally avoiding going to class because he was so afraid that other people were judging him. You know what's fascinating about that? There seems to be a reticence to ask people how they feel about you. Like I know this is an issue in the workplace, like self self uh, reporting or or uh, um, like you, Aaron, or me, Stephen, asking our superiors a performance review, like asking for a performance review. We have a really tough time just asking someone, "Hey, do you think I'm weird?" Or, "Hey, do you do you get annoyed when I say this thing, right? Or when I do this thing?" We stew in our own self perception more than we ask for critique. And I don't know where it comes from. Uh, again, don't have a research study offhand, but I know this is a problem that we share almost universally, at least in this country. Of it's a kind of a form of asking for help, right? It's a, it's a form of asking for help, but asking people how they feel. Because I'm, if in a perfect world, that client would have gone to each one of his friends and said, hey, define me. Like, what defines me to you? And I bet your ass that he would be shocked to find that there are probably more positives than negatives. And let's be frank or transparent. Why? Because <clears throat> there is friend group. So if you go to your friend group and you're asking, you, you know, your biggest champions, your biggest supporters, hey, man, like what defines me to you? Mm -hmm. you'll be surprised to get probably mostly positive things. Oh yeah, man, I think you're really funny. You're like, Hey, you're really kind. Like, yeah, you did that one thing for our friend Jill. And I thought that was so tender and sweet. And I had never seen someone act that way. Or I really like the way that you think about this, this, this. And lo and behold, you're a great dude. You're a great <laughs> chick. You're a great person in someone's eyes, right? It's just all about a, you know, it's all about a frame of reference, all about context. And a lot of times they don't even give a shit. Like, oh yeah, they might even not know your attention. Like, Wait, but you don't you don't care when I like twitch my nose and they're like, they're, what are you talking? They're you involved talking about? <laughs> in their own world and their yeah. own lives and whatever's exactly. happening in their mind. They're concerned about how they look, how they're acting, what and they're this, wearing. Wait, this brings me to my first big point. My life changed for the better and forever when I finally understood a cynical and arguably cynical point of view of my father's, but I turned it personally, into a self-affirming positive, all right? So my, my father used to say the following, and God love him, people don't give a shit about you. Now, when you hear that, that sounds sad and mean when you're a kid, right? But what he's saying is it's more, it's more um, Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's more Louis C.K. It's more George Carlin. He's not saying people don't like you. Of course, as a teenager or middle schooler, that's what I heard. What he's saying is people aren't thinking about you. There are seven billion, seven plus billion people on the planet right now. Most of them don't know you, don't know you exist, don't know your name, don't really care about you because they don't know you. But and, that's actually you're freeing. Not the center of their universe. <clears throat> you're not the center of their universe. You're they the center are. of your universe, right? right. So- when we embarrass ourselves, when we do this, when we, when we say yes because we're worried that we'll offend somebody, it's because it's right there in front of us. There's, a, there's somebody saying, hey, can you do this favor, right? It's right there. Oh my God, if I tell them no, they might cry or something or be mad, right? 
Yeah. But by and large, A, they'll get over it. They'll move on mm-hmm. because we all have our own shit to do. And B, for the most part, for 99% of the day, that person you might call your best friend is not thinking about you. They're thinking about them. And it's not selfish. It's self-interest. It's survival. Yeah. And when that thought clicked in my head, when I translated my father's message, I have from that point, which was sometime in high school, like late in high school, early college, from that moment on, my stress level on a day-to-day basis plummeted. I have, I, I have, I have, it was carefree, arguably, because I don't worry so much about what other people think. And I went through that phase. I'll, I'll, I'll just clarify that I went through the phase as much as anybody else. I have felt as painfully as, any, as anybody else. The, this feeling of people judging me or how people perceive me. But at my best moments, at my greatest moments and my most fun, I haven't cared. I've, I, have, I have let go of, of percep- my perceptions of what people might be thinking about me and just lived, just been me, as cliche as that sounds, hashtag live. Like I, I just lived in the moment, right? And didn't worry about how I was being perceived. I, I treated myself. It's a lot easier to roll with any adversity or punches that come your yes. way if you're not constantly so concerned about the external validation and what other people are thinking, saying, believing. Yes, external validation. Yeah. And, but you need to, all of us need, as ADHDers, need to find that internal, internal place from which to, to gain perspective, enthusiasm, um, energy, and, and find our own sense of success inside. And it's now, not an ooey gooey center. It's a concrete, it's iron, it's diamond. There's a it's diamond your, center in there. It's your core. It's that pure. That's your core. Pure part of who you are. What, yeah. What makes you your identity? And, and that no one else owns. No one else has property or, it's or that authority authentic, over that. It's kind of that authentic self. And yeah. when you bring that to any situation, <laughs> then you become less concerned. So this brings us back to the. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, how does it bring it in? How does it bring because it you become less concerned of letting others down and how they react to it. So whether they react negatively, whether right. they act angrily, whether they start to cry, whether they get upset, you, you still feel confident in yourself of here is what I'm able to do. Here are my needs. Here's mm-hmm. what I can give. Here's what I have on my plate. Here right. are my responsibilities. This is what I have going on right now in my life. And this is as much as I can give to you right now. Yeah. And, and if you have that realistic assessment and you're not, it's not wrapped in or wrapped up in this emotional, no. you know, sticky ball of like, ooh, what, how are they going to feel? Are they going to like me? What's going to happen? I don't know. It's a gray area. It's, 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 uh, it's, a uh, um, you think like cream of wheat? Cream of wheat. Yeah. Like cream of wheat. Like just gross. Like, like, you know, like, like mashed, like mashed potatoes. There's not, there's, it's just, it just, <laughs> just establishing that Steven is not a big fan of mashed potatoes. Um, but yeah, it's this like gooey listless. Well, and people don't respect you. If you, if you do not like, like it's that saying that like, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. And you'll also be able Love to have that. people walk all over you because you're not going to have firm positions, opinions, values, knowing your own limits, boundaries, all these other things that can make a very healthy person or yeah. prosperous person. Be, and that's when you start to stretch yourself so thin based on other people's needs. These other kind of um, fictitious mental 
formulations that you have in your head, these kind of delusions about how others might react or will react or could react based right. on whatever you do. And right. I think the thing to understand is we don't make anyone else react. We are not responsible for anyone's reaction, whether it's positive, negative, good, bad, otherwise. They ultimately react how they're going to react, and we are responsible for our own reaction. You have been kind of dealing with this. I've dealt with this too. But spreading yourself so thin, what are, let's like dive into this more. What are some yeah. things, because you're still grappling with this. Yes. In your life, day to day. What are some things that are really hard or come up for you around spreading yourself too thin? In the art world, in the entertainment world, the struggle that I have is that everything sounds interesting. So I have all of virtually 90% of my peers or 80% at least are artists. They're photographers, they're musicians, they're filmmakers, et cetera, right? Performers, dancers. And many of them come, we, we all cross, we all go to each other and we ask for collaboration. Hey, can you film this thing? Can you be a dancer in this thing? Can you write some music for this thing? We all cross collaborate at our healthiest. I'm more able at 26 than at 20 to say, I don't want to do that. I do want to do that. But unfortunately, my network's getting bigger at a rate almost double or triple me refining my taste because I'm going to spend 40 years refining my taste. But every year that I'm on the planet, I double or triple or quadruple my network of people that I know. It's very hard for me to, to identify what isn't going to be good for me and what is going to be good for me versus just a friend asking for some help, right? So I was talking to you about this earlier. I have pseudo developed this matrix for asking myself whether or not something is worth my time. And what you ended up calling it was this reflection script. And this reflection script <clears throat> is unique, should be unique to ADHDers. As far as I've observed, my neurotypical friends, when asked, can you go to this event on Saturday? Or, hey man, uh, you're really great at programming. I'm, I need to design a website. Could you help me design this website, right? Fill in the blanks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When a neurotypical person is asked this, as far as I've observed, the question is, do I have time for that? It's the first question, do I have time for that? And then the next, and the answer is usually yes or no. And then they go from there and they're very competent at that, right? If they go, do I have time for that? No, sorry, I can't help. And then they're done. Or do I have time for that? Yes. Okay, I'm interested. Talk more. Like it's like the first question is, do I have time? If the answer is yes, am I interested? And then if the answer is yes, let's talk about it. Right. But if time, the answer is no, interest, ability. Yeah, ability. But if time mm -hmm. is no in a neurotypical Details. person's mind, it's done. Like they, there's no more script. I don't have time. Sorry. Love you. Moving on. But I don't have a sense of time concrete enough to have that be my first question. So I've had to rewire. So my, before, but yeah, before yeah. you kind of took on some strategies through. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, 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 Reflecting sure. this, what would sure. you, what would you say to yourself before when you were in your times where you kind of end up saying yes to project? What would you? What would be that? Process. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was, and this is unhealthy. I'm going to preface this. It was, do I like this person? And do I want them to like me? My, my, so that was my the first thing that kind of popped in your head. Is, do I my like decision matrix like was, who am I talking to? My first questions were either, do I know this person slash like them? And secondly, do I think they're talented? And if the answer was yes to either of those, I usually just said yes. Like just like an impulsive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause I'm curious. It was, it was a, a insatiable curiosity. And, and, when did you have the oh shit moment? 2000 and 
twice, once in college, once in 2015, transitioning to 2016. So the winter of 2015 into January of 2016. The time in college was because my girlfriend said, we don't spend any time together. And it was like junior, senior year. Mm. And um, <clears throat> she is currently one of my best friends and it all worked out, but we did end up breaking up for many reasons. And one of them was I had spread myself to all kinds of networks and wasn't so much, I wasn't like I was projecting stress about that or like being, you know, yeah. <clears throat> acting inappropriately too. I was just never there. There were large swaths of time where I was at a bar or at a dance or at a music thing or at a this thing or at, or in somebody's studio or in a basement. And one of the bigger fights we had in college was you and I don't hang out. We don't go on dates. We don't go to the movies. We don't go to dinner. We don't go to the park because you're always doing something, right? Yeah. So that was number one. And I had to mini, mini adjust, but it was college. It's the time for experimentation. It's the time for networking. So I, I had a pretty good argument. So for, you kind of justified it. I justified it. it. I justified it to myself. And then rather the appropriately, recent, the more recent example, what happened there? 2015 and 2016, I had a conversation with my father, a very frank conversation with my father on the phone. I called him and said, I'm stressed. Graduated in 2013. I didn't take Ritalin for two years. I started taking it in 2015. And it was months into taking it, December into January, 2015 and 2016. So again, back on medicine. And I started having these realizations, uh, uh, more, more laser sharp, refined reflection or realizations of how thin I had spread myself. And I called my dad and it was New Year's resolution time. And I said, I got to be honest with you. I think I failed more this year than I succeeded. If I add up, if I add up all of the projects that I was on, if I, if I put, if I write out everything that I was doing, I see a tip in the scales of failures versus successes. And I'm calling you because I'm more positive than I've ever been that the, that the heavier failures to success scale is directly tied to too large number of things I was a part of, projects I was a part of. It was a one-to-one. -one. It wasn't like, oh, this one person promised $1,000 and they gave us 200 so we were under budget. It wasn't like some minute, it wasn't minutia. It was because I was doing too much. And it was the first time in my life that I, it was so clear that I failed more than I succeeded that year because I was doing too much. And it took, again, we mentioned in a previous podcast, learning the hard way. But what, what did he say? Okay. So my dad, my dad did a very cool dad, mom thing. He parented first. He said, Hey, I love you. I know what I, I do. I do know what that feels like, even though we don't share this condition. I think right. people understand drowning in too much work and saying yes, too many things probably not quite on the scale of you, but, but I understand where you're coming from. The thing that the take home from that, from him that I was shocked to hear, he said to me, Stephen, you listed for me. Cause he had asked during the phone call, tell me all the things you worked on. Cause I said, I failed more than I succeeded. He was like, well, tell me what they were. Like you wrote them down. So I told him all of them. We're talking like 18 to 20 things in one year, right? Big things. And we start going through them. And he said, Stephen, of, of all the things that you listed, I want you to count for me how many of them were created by you, thought of by you, inspired by you, for you. Like, mm. I, he's like, I want you to tell me mm. which of those projects you thought of, you self-produced, and you made for yourself. Mm, two. two of them. Wow. Were mine. Wow. Attention different. And a little, a little theater piece I did wow. uh, uh, in Brooklyn 
were the two things that I made up from scratch. It wasn't like a co-production. It wasn't right. a co-directing. And the rest of that stuff was stuff you were for other people helping out yep. on someone else's other project, doing a nice thing. Oh, and that second their... thing, that theater piece, mm-hmm. was actually part of a greater event that was for my roommate's theater company. <laughs> so, so, like, but really, it was it's something, almost one thing. <laughs> so it's almost one thing that I did just for me, mm-hmm. only for me. And my dad said the, so the follow-up to that was Stephen, I, I, you know, it took me a while to, and my dad and I have this beautiful relationship where he, you know, he says, I, it took me a while to get you. It took me a while. It took me a while to understand what makes you tick and what drives your, your engine, right? Your train. But very clearly to me, you require some kind of performative storytelling hopefully in front of people where you can, you can get, you, you get an immediate reaction. He's like, you need that sort of thing. And it needs to be your own voice. You don't get the same kick off of other people's successes. And he qualified. He said, you, you share in people's successes better than I think most of this family does. Like he witnessed that I and my mother actually take great joy in other people's successes. He said, but you don't take near as much joy in other people's successes in as in when you write something you think something you say something you perform something in front of people that i need to put more time and effort into the activities or the artworks or the whatever that puts me in front of people speaking my truth whether or not it's accurate it's just he was he was essentially saying like if you're samson and and there's a delilah Delilah is all of your friends that want you to help them with their shit. And you keep cutting your hair to, to, to satisfy their needs. And he's like, you got to stop chasing Delilah. Drawing from this tank that's not infinite. You do not have an infinite tank of energy and time and focus. And every time you say yes to someone, you are atta- it's like attaching like lifelines. <laughs> You know, it's just like yeah. I'm covered in other people's lifelines and they're sucking on your energy source. You, it's mm-hmm. like making a direct, it's like having an umbilical cord to 12 people. Yeah. And they're constantly feeding off of you. Though this is a graphic example, it's not all un- inaccurate. <laughs> I like it. But I'm, I'm wondering because I thought he, he might have said something a little bit different because I was thinking something different in my head. But I like, I like it where that went. How many of them do you think of as failures because, or your part in it was a failure? You were behind the eight ball or late or didn't produce the kind of work that you could have if mm, it was mm. the only thing you were doing. Like, because I wonder if you had, if you limited that list of 20 things and you picked the, the top two, okay, what kind of quality would that, would come from that kind of focused, dedicated, limited so you're saying uh, like if work. i could strip those out and just have done those two right Luke, i've got this. i've i've got a i've got a direct example for you hmm. so from that conversation that was a shell shock for me it's a huge shell shock and honestly it wasn't so much what he said but the fact that just very personally the fact that i found this connection with a, a parent of mine that i didn't quite have that vulnerable connection with in the past mm-hmm. and suddenly honestly just him understanding me that well. This could have been a friend, a pastor, a, a psychiatrist, psychologist, a dad, a mom, but it was the fact that my dad connected with me in this way and reminded me of, of, of a very important 
facet of my personality that I thought, you know what, Steven, you gotta, you gotta shut the fuck up. Like, like you gotta like tell people no and enjoy it. Damn it. Like enjoy your own time. And I, I didn't, I didn't know what it felt like before that. I didn't I, up until 2015, 2016, I didn't know the joy in saying, I don't have the time yeah. I'm doing me. So yeah. my direct example is the project I just did. Hold on. Living for yourself. Yes. On your own terms, rather than living for other people or letting it's, other people drain you. It's baked in confidence. It's ba- like confidence is baked into that decision. When, when I say no to someone genuinely and genteely, right? So softly, tactfully, when I say, I am sorry, I love you, but I don't have the time. It has this perverse, miraculous effect. I don't have the time. Suddenly is not a negative. It's a positive. I'm busy. You're I'm working. valuing your own time. I value my time. And you're, and, and you're also valuing you. Yes, yes. And because if and, not, yeah. if, you're not, if you're not valuing you, yes. when you're saying yes, 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 essentially what you're doing is you're giving over your own energy and spirit and life force and everything right. that you are over right. to that other person. Right. And, and saying, hey, I'll be your puppet. I'll do the things you want me to do. And you'll get all the credit and all, you know, you need me. And I, that feels good. Or I could help. Or I can lend these skills to this. Is that really what it's about? Is that really where I'm going to get, what's going to get me closer to my goals, to the right. things that I have in my life, those, that purpose that you have that you've set out for yourself. Right. You've, we've talked about this before. And I, I think the way that you, that you put that is, is very light and concise, like the way it should be put. There is a big question. What is my life goal? You don't have to answer that with, with, an, with a career or with a, with a position. That's not, that's not the answer to the question. What is my life goal is a gigantic umbrella question. It says, like, what, do you, what do you wish to accomplish over one lifetime? Like, do you have goals? It could be many, millions of them. Hopefully, it's just a handful or one or two. But if you have a big ask, what are you doing every day, every week, every month to, to, to get to that goal? You yourself. This is not a group goal, yeah. right? There are group goals and there are personal goals. I'm talking about personal goals. What do I want to accomplish by 75, by 85, whatever? And we don't ask ourselves this enough. I've, I've had many, many, many lectures and speeches from life coaches, from mentors, from directors, writers, et cetera, in my world that, that speak very highly about make a long-term plan. We don't do it enough, right? A, no. you know, do a mind dump, a mind map, et cetera, but like 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And if you're not working towards that goal, be honest with yourself. Every day. Every day. Is this, is this what I'm doing right now? In working towards that goal. Is, that, that is this in service of that, goal. of that goal? Yes. Is this if, is if right you can't now. honestly answer. If you say, every day I spend uh, all my time playing video games. Every day I'm doing yeah. something else because someone else wants me to. Every right. day I'm whatever it is, taking on all this stuff for my boss. And if that's not fulfilling for you, if that's not actually you're in line and we're in alignment with your larger goals your larger purpose right that thing that's going to feed your life satisfaction and who you are on a deep level then that stuff is is wasting your time it's drawing 
precious amounts of limited time yes. energy away from precious time your, your own capabilities and that's stuff that you can't get back that's not stuff that you just you know build up it's like you're you're getting drained and dragged into things and your life is getting spent for others I, what i was going to say is this gets really nuanced when you're a fully functioning adult in the West. When you're 21, you can drink. 25, you can rent a car, drive, et cetera. When you get to a certain young adult adult phase, this, this question, this game becomes really nuanced because it, now you factor in work, socializing, and sleep. Networking. Right? Networking, et cetera. I, told, I, was, I tell Aaron about this all the time because it's one of my favorite memes from when I was in college. There's a triangle that says, this is for school kids and for the real world. Ready? For school kids, at the top of it is study, at this corner is sleep, and at this corner is party, all right? And in the center of the triangle, it says pick two, <laughs> only two. And you get the idea. You can either sleep and party, you can sleep and study, or you can study and party, and you have to sacrifice from the others. In the real world, it's just work and then sleep and then socialize or network, right? Pick two. You can't have it all. You have to balance what you are doing with your time and your limited energy bucket. And for ADHDers, this is extremely difficult to understand on an, on an intimate level, on an instinctive level, on a deep level. We, we struggle with how to balance that because yes. it takes a lot of executive functioning and planning and organization and time management and all sorts of other things to be able to balance that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And but what I'll say is a bit of a caveat here that it's okay when you're young. Cause I know in like your TEDx talk, you at the beginning, you talk about all the different things that you had that were your interests growing up. Right. And I really related to that, but, and that's okay because I think when we're young, you know, when you're a teenager, when you're a child, even, even when you're early in your college career, it's okay to be in the exploration phase and not, know, yes. not, yes. not say I have to limit myself. But, it's okay to it's okay to mess with that triangle. Right. It's, yeah, it's okay. It's to okay to play around tune with that some and knobs. experiment. Right. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, part yeah. of the process of growing up and maturing, and taking some hits and figuring out what works and what doesn't. But I think the point here is that once you have a clearer sense, you don't have to have the clearest sense in the world. Like my ultimate purpose is this. My ultimate right. purpose is to be a doctor. Well, right. okay, that's wonderful if you know that. But ninety nine percent of people do not know their exact purpose and can't pinpoint that and say, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my right. life. And here's why I'm here on this earth. That's great. If you know that but I told people for 12 years, that, I was going to be a musician. Yeah, I was going to, and, and it changes sometimes, but it changes. It you just don't shifts. Have, if you don't, and, and, it's, and that's okay too. Yeah. If you don't know what it is that you're, that you're doing or your ultimate purpose or whatever, because maybe that's not, the way to frame it maybe the right the, the more healthy way to frame it is is this in service of my core values who i am who i right. want to become right the kind of life i want to have the types of work that i want to do in the world is what i'm doing in service of that right and perhaps it's not about a goal like a vocational goal it's it's a personal goal it's right. a, we should it could, be clear clear that it's a maybe it's a who do i want to be like who do who who do I want to be known as, or what right. do I if, want to if be your known goal, for? Like for instance, the occupation could be a writer. Let me say yeah. the occupation is a writer. I want to be a writer. Maybe the goal, the specific goal or objective is I want to write a book. Right. I want to have a published novel or something by this age. Say so between you know by thirty or forty, I want to have a published. I want to publish novel. a book at thirty-five. 
Okay, I want to have a published book at 35. Awesome. That's a specific goal. And then if you break that down, what does it take? What else do you need right now? What do you need to be doing on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis to get closer? And to is, that goal? is and is going to your friend's film set and taking Spending photographs all your behind time. the scenes. <laughs> yes. Because you also used to take foot like your friends, you know, you're a pretty good photographer. And you yeah. really like photography. Yeah. Can you come by and shoot some photos sure. of this shoot yeah. just one day? It's a dance oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll okay. come by. So you spend the whole day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then the photographing. And then the next week. And, and, the, next and then day. you do it again for another friend. You do another friend. And we're being a little bit ridiculous. And you bring those together. It snowballs. Right. Over the course of a year. That's why yeah. when you look back at that year of your life. Yeah. That was drained away and sucked away. Now, it's not. I'm not saying you need to look back and feel bad and be like, God, I was so immature oh no brother i moved on like i felt bad in that conversation but it was up to me and it's up to you audience to pick that pain up carry it and let it dissolve over time as you move on forward like truck on forward learn from it yeah as as my uh as one of my favorite (laughs) mentors and learn yes as one of my favorite mentors she had this whole speech about fido right? And for, uh, I'm going to do two versions of this, the explicit version and the non-explicit version. Fido, for the, ex- for the adults in the room, is fuck it and drive on. For the non-adults, it's forget it and drive on, right? Fido. And that is to say, hold on tightly, let go lightly, right? You, it, it, it applies to the emotion of telling someone no, right? You hold on tightly to the idea that someone wants you. You have to hold on tightly to that because that's good. And you can, you can carry that for months, the idea that someone respected you enough to ask you to help, but you got to let go of the job or the gig or whatever it is, the event, the social gathering, the networking session. If you don't have the time, if you don't have the energy or the capacity, if you have stuff of your own to work on, hold on to that feeling, that good feeling and let go lightly of the responsibility of doing that thing or or helping them. I interpret that a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. When I hear that, I, I immediately think about the results or the outcomes versus the process. So you, and, and maybe, you know, it can be interpreted in multiple ways. I think, I, I think it can be interpreted in multiple ways, but I'm curious because we just talked about this. Wait, <laughs> yeah. so how, yeah. I, so hold on tightly, hold on tightly to those, your experience, how you want to show up in whatever it is, what you're putting into it, but let go of the specific outcomes or what it is that you're attached to. Yeah. So, so yeah. You, by giving yourself, by giving your energy, by doing something, sometimes we get so caught up in what's the ultimate result of this effort and what, what will it mean if I don't reach that end, however we define it. And I think letting go of that, of just saying, you know, it's okay, whatever happens is going to happen, yeah. but I'm holding on to that process, that what I did is worth it. I've uh, grown past some of these tendencies that I had earlier on in my 20s um, where I would take on too many things and not be able to assess how much I could realistically do. Which, mind you, is nothing, nothing shy of encouragement for the, for the rest of the ADHD <laughs> years, myself very much included, right? I get to look up to Aaron in this situation, right? And say he figured it out. He narrowed his taste down and his desires down into a a a very specific hot coal, right? Like you've got you know what you're doing from nine to five. 
And, and that's because of a lot of work to get to that place, which I respect. I admire that. Thanks. So let's talk about what's going on for you. So how does this come up for you in your life right now? In what ways does it still, is it still becoming a problem for you? Right. Two things back to back. The first is after that phone call with my dad, I put a lot of work into this. So I've, 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 I've spent a lot of uh, time, two years to be precise, almost, um, cutting back on saying yes. And, and very, 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 very actively cutting back on saying yes. Like taking, for me, I, I told you this earlier on the phone, it takes me longer than most to go through my calendar and my, my what's on my plate to sift through what's on my plate and then say no. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm currently working on, on uh, something that one of my friends does who's uh, not ADHD, neurotypical, type A even. So hold uh, on, you, you've slowed that process down. I've slowed it, yes. you're I've more it. intentional about I, I've what I've slowed you say it down yes. and I'm more intentional and I'm, and I'm working towards okay. something that my a friend of mine does, which is uh, say no first. Uh, I have a friend who practices saying no first. And he doesn't say no flat out. He just says, no, I, I pro he says, no, but let me check my calendar and see if, if there is time. And I asked him, why do you say no? And he's like, cause I don't want them to think it's a yes. He's like, I don't want them to text me and call me and harass me. Hey man, did you check your schedule? Hey, did you check your schedule? Hey, did you check on, you know, Hey, do you think you can do it? Because if I said, you know what? I think I can, let me check my schedule. It plants a seed in somebody's mind that you might be an option. And this is one of my brilliant, again, type A friends who I'm trying to emulate because he believes and he's observed that if he says, no, I, I, I can't, but I'll check my schedule. And if something opens up, I'll get back to you. And then he goes home to his schedule and it's a little bit of a lie to be frank, because he's, he doesn't know if he's actually booked or not, but he does so much work that he's like, I'm not going to tell you even there's a modicum of a chance that I can do it. I'm going to say no, and then if I go home and look at my schedule and it's wide open, I'll call them immediately, and I'll go, hey, you know what? I checked my calendar, and it's wide open. I can totally do it. So that's, that's part of your reflection script. Yes, that's right? part of my reflection script, yeah. I, I, would, have to re, I have to adjust my reflection script. I would, can we modify that just a, a bit? Yeah. Because I think for a lot of us, saying no is, is hard. It's hard to, to do that, especially no, I would, I would love you to, mod to go please. from yes, yes, yes to yes. no. That's a big jump. That's cold, right? cold turkey. Right. So how about we'll pick a middle path here right. and say something along the lines of I'm really busy right now. I'm not sure what's on my schedule, mm. but let me get back to you after I have a chance to check. Yeah. That yep. way, that way, there's no, it's not a maybe, it's not a yes, it's not a no, it's a, I'm busy, so you're telling them, you know, that you have a busy schedule, you're I'm valuing busy, your time. But I like you and respect you, therefore I'll give you the time of day later. Right, I like you enough that I'm going to check my schedule and see. Right, yeah. And, and that's true, that you, you can check your schedule for anything, or you can get back to them about that. Um, but what it also does, not only that it, it doesn't lock you into any decision, 
it also allows you to get some space from it. Yeah. Because that knee-jerk yeah. reaction is usually because of oh, emotion God. Is charged. that is that not the biggest yeah. challenge? It's the biggest challenge. I mean, because we're talking about a closed system, right? So right now, even though we haven't yeah. mentioned it, we're talking in a vacuum. Right. In reality, most of these conversations happen at a bar, yes. a cafe, a restaurant, a party, something involving a collection of people already, which right. usually is festive. So I'm already in a good mood. I'm already in an upper. I'm already excited. So like the pump is primed to say, yes. You're really optimistic in that moment, yeah. in that environment, and uplifted, but you're not realizing how you felt last week when you were stressed out and you were late because on this deadline and it was because you had 15 things piling up on you and you didn't have enough time. And then your girlfriend's complaining because you, you know, didn't take out the trash or something, right? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> so here's another strategy to kind of think about in here. Yeah. We have the reflection script, but also find someone that you know has that, has your best interests in mind whether it's your girlfriend, could be a parent, could be a friend, who you know is realistic and they have a more realistic assessment. Yeah. If you're struggling with the decision, especially a big one. Like a big oh, project, wait a minute. This is such a good point. This is such a good point. It's something I actively use. But continue. Really? Yes. yes. So take that, take that idea to someone. Yep. Say, hey, do you mind if I run something by you? I had this friend. They're asking me to do this. I'm looking at my schedule. Seeing how much time I have right now, I just don't know. No, like, I, I am so this much is going an on. You'll to interject, but this is no. so important. This yeah. is so important. So this makes this? me. This makes me so happy that you're bringing this up because I would have forgotten. I wouldn't have brought yeah. this up. This is so important. I bring things to my closest friends and my girlfriend, my live-in girlfriend, all of the time now. Now, and that's new. That's new. I didn't yeah. do this in the past. That is after that conversation with my dad and through this exploration. I organically stumbled on, wait a minute, two, like two of my, I have, I have nine very special guy friends. And then on top of that, other friends I met in college yeah. who I trust, who know me very well. And about three or four of those I talk to on a daily basis. And I can call any one of them and say exactly what's on my plate right now, offer up what someone has just suggested and say, does that sound like too much? And within a half a second, sometimes 30 seconds, if they're taking time, the time to think about it, they will tell me yes or no. The yeah. same goes for my girlfriend. Hey, Marley, I have this thing, have this thing, have this thing. This person just asked me to shoot behind the scenes photos on Friday. Now I have Friday open, but I could really use Friday to do some housework, but it's not necessary, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll cut right in and be like, dude, no, you forgot about this thing that you have on, at 3 p.m. And I'll be like, oh, Right. I don't have time for it. But like just voicing things out brings, oh, uh, it also, it, it just displaces uh, the onus of responsibility, right? The internal locus of control and external locus of control, right? We, because uh, uh, we as humans, not ADHDers, we get so wrapped up in our own psyche. We're like, oh, do I have enough time? I check my Gmail, blah, blah. get locked in and we forget that the voice of another person is power, well, they're also helping your executive functioning. Yes, work. yes, yes. Because You're greasing by talking the, the it wheels. through, yeah. You, if you just, in a knee-jerk reaction, say yes or no or okay, I'll do it. What you're doing there is you're operating just on how you feel in the moment, the yeah, capacity yeah. you have, and yeah. what are the things you're remembering in that moment. Which, because we have working memory, 
struggles sometimes, that's all, not always the a most lot, a real. A lot more than sometimes. Yes. And, and we tend to overestimate things. We tend to not be able to, uh, with, when it comes to time, to not realistically assess. Yeah, overestimate how much time take. we have. All these things that come into that minute decision in the moment. Yeah. But by, by voicing it and putting it out there to someone else who can help you talk through it and, and give a different perspective, who doesn't struggle the same way with that kind of process. I do this a lot with my wife because yeah. I'll say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with this thing. What do you think I should do? Yeah. And, and I oftentimes come with her with all of the big decisions that I'm going to make, um, not, not as much asking for permission, right? It's not saying- no. Tell no. me, can I do this or not? Right? No, it, it's should I? It's 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 always let me, should. Let me just talk this over with you and get your yeah. thoughts on this, and and let me see or, what your two. Honestly, senses. more perversely, Aaron, you're asking, would you? I think I think what actually boils down to if you were in my shoes, displacing. You if you were in my shoes, that's why it's so powerful. Yeah. Why it's so powerful is you're actually tapping into, and this is brilliant and something that every species can do that can communicate amongst itself, right? So like any higher level species that can communicate with each other, humans, we have this amazing tool, which is if you were me, would you say yes or would you say no? And that is one of the cleverest and, and, and most instantly gratifying displacement of responsibility, right? You say, Alicia, would I do this? So I don't, you, I don't know if I agree with the... So let's just say not displacement, because that means what that word of, should I use? I I because I also don't feel comfortable using yeah. it to be fully transparent. Okay. But I so, do think it is in some way. I I thought tether or like umbilical cord, like you're kind of drawing from their experience in some metaphoric way, and it helps. I, I think you. it's let's say objective assessment. Objective assessment, and right. that's you are receiving that. That, that the person you're telling is the objective observer or the objective party who the can computer. give you a fair assessment on the situation versus okay. you yourself who is emotionally tied, has a friend, has this relationship ah, with this person. We're you're invested bias. in something. Yeah, you have your bias towards it. Do I like them? Are they talented? It's just a yes. Stripping bias from the, the equation. You're just saying, okay, objectively speaking, here's what's on my plate. Here's what's going on. Here's the schedule. What do you think? Yeah. If you were in my shoes, what would you do? Because they're not sure acknowledgement. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. gonna come in with like, oh well, do you really like that person? Well, how much do you like them? Oh, well, how upset would they be if you said And if no. they are, run to <laughs> yeah, someone if they else. Are, they're, not the best, they're not the best person. <laughs> Everything Aaron just said. If if those are the responses, do you really do you like the person? That's not like, the that's not the that's person. That's an emotional you. response. That's a subjective <laughs> You want that person that's gonna say, No, man, like Here's, here's what you have. Obviously, you don't have the time because you have this, this, this. And yeah. is it really worth it to you? And then you say, oh, you're right. Uh. And what we're doing ultimately, right? Okay, so what Aaron and I are describing is one tool, one, one technique in a lifelong evolution growing to doing that for ourselves, right? So I brought up this, this, this uh, reflection dialogue, this reflection script earlier. Yeah. And what changed for me is I told you, you asked, mm -hmm. what, what were you thinking when someone said, can you do this thing? And I said, do I like this person and do I, am I interested in, in their work? Am I interested in them? I've changed that now. It's 2017. I'm a new dude, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, um, 26.0. And I changed that first question 
from do I have the time or do I like this person or do I know this person? Two, is this for me or is this for someone else? And it sounds redundant because someone else is asking me to do something for them. But it's more nuanced than that. When someone says, hey, I have this gig, uh, I'm doing this film shoot, it's a dance piece, I'd love you to come shoot photos. All right, is this for me or is this for them? On just that information, it's for them. Now they add some information. Also, it's paid. It's going to pay you 500 bucks. Okay, now it's for me and it's for them. I'm making $500, I got to pay rent, et cetera. But <clears throat> scratch the 500 bucks from it. I have this thing, can you come shoot it? There's no money in it, but I, I love your skill and I, I, I would love to have you on set. It'll just make me feel better. And I, I just, you know, we'll use your photos on social media, blah, blah. Now I ask the question again, is this for me or is this for them? Okay, I'm not making money on it. There's a little bit of some social media stuff, but do I need more of that? So suddenly I start asking more questions that are me-centered because the first question is, is this for me or is this for them? So now all the decisions in the decision matrix, the, the decision tree, right, off of this reflection script, self-reflective script, are, are, are anchored to the first question, which has to do with me or them. And you want to get to an answer at the end that is either balanced equally between you and them or weighted heavier towards you. And I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a bold statement and say that that should be all the time. Not yeah. sometimes, all the time. It's Honestly, either 50-50 or weighted not, towards you more. It's not – this might come off, if you're just listening to this, this might come off as seeming selfish or something. Yeah, but, it might. But – yeah, let's take this in context because someone like Steven is not the kind of person that does things selfishly. If, if anything, it's the opposite, that, that your default mode is to give, 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 be there for others, to do lots of things for other yes. people, and to give yes. yourself away so much that you have nothing left for you and for the things that are important to you. So much so that it's that a you love. problem. Right. So this is so. Let's just make sure we're putting this into context, okay? Yeah. yeah. So for our listeners out there. Amen. If, if someone already is, ha, has the tendency to give so much of themselves to everyone else or they don't have enough left for themselves and the people they love, then that's where this comes in because it's not selfish, it's self-interested. And yes. self-interest is actually going to be the most beneficial for everyone else in the long run. Yes, because, which you tell me so much and it's yeah. so important to repeat repeat yeah, it because if self-interest if you're if you're giving away so much of yourself yeah and you're not focused on what it is that you have to actually give yeah at the end of the day if you're just so depleted you could you could fool yourself into thinking you know yes i do have these skills yes i could do this i could take this on and in an ideal world i'd be able to they'd be happy it'd be done on time everything would work out great and if everything just functioned right on schedule, that would be awesome. Yeah, but then I'm not thinking worked. about all of the other projects that are on my plate and everything yeah. else. And then realistically what's going to happen is I'm going to end up maybe disappointing them. It's going to be late. I'm going to do a poor job on it because I have so much going on that I can't put the time and energy to really make it great. And then it could be the opposite of what I'm hoping for. And in, in some ways, that's not good for that person. That's 
by trying to help, no, you're, you're doing you're them a disservice. You're because cheating their project. You're cheating right. their activity. Because if you don't have, if you can't bring yourself fully into everything you do and back that up with who you are, with everything you are, and put your name on it and sign that, if you're not willing to sign your name to that thing and say, this is me, this is my effort, this is who I am, and this reflection of, of me, then that's probably not for you. And it's probably not going to help them either. Even if or you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart, it's not going to be What you just said is so, yeah, what you just said is so beautiful. Why don't we just cap it and say, it's not worth it. It's not worth anything. If, if I'm going to be really romantic for a second, I'm going to take everything Aaron just said and button it with, if it's not a hundred percent of you, it's if it's not your all, if you're not, if it's not something in which you are giving everything and in a healthy way, then it's not worth it. Then don't. It's not helping anyone. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time, and it's not worth their time. Or, you know, God hope not. Whichever deity you pray to, hope not. Bad for them. Or bad for you, right? Because that's the other side. You spread yourself way too thin, and suddenly you do you do less than mediocre. You do less than average. So it's a lose lose. If you're not fully invested, if you don't have the time and the energy to give, then you're cheating yourself, and you're cheating them, and that person. And uh, you damn near help that it's not a group of people, right? Like an organization, right? Think think it, about it this way. If I had if I had a vessel here, yeah, and it was full, full of juice. Right now, it's only partially full. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a quarter at this point. But if it's full, it's full of juice right now. Yeah, this is all of the amount of energy you have. I'm holding up a glass for people that are listening. It's a jar, and this is all the energy you have. And you fill this up with a certain amount of water. There's a certain amount of ounces of water that can fit in this. Or any kind of liquid. Energy juice. <laughs> and yes, and this is your energy. This is your life force. This is what you have to give. I'm going to stress that. And this is your life force. Right. Physical, this, emotional, mental. This life water, force. this juice, whatever's in this jar, this is you. Yeah. Now, if you choose to pour this out, if I had 20 different cups here and I pour in a little bit into each cup, those are all the projects you're working on. Yeah. And if each project gets this much juice, that's okay. That's a little bit of juice. You're giving a little bit, but each one is going to feel like you're not, you're not really enough. That's not enough. Right. Would anybody get quenched? You're not winning Oscars on this much juice. No. You're not getting Grammys or Nobel no. prizes or anything on this much juice. You're not changing the world with this much juice. Right. And if your bigger goal, Steven's got his fingers pinched really <laughs> tight right now for those who are listening. If your bigger goal, let's say is to write a book and that's the goal. And that's to be done by 35. This is just a hypothetical example. Right. Yes, right. We spend every day between now and when when we're 35 on those various smaller projects and continue to pour out this energy into those tiny little cups. And then the book is one of those cups because all the energy is already out, poured out into those cups. Yeah. Then how much you put into the book? This much. Same amount. Now, if we cleared the table, we took off 20 let's say 18 of those cups and now you have two or three let's say you have two and you have, and you have the book now what kind of receptacle can you hold how much more 
energy and juice could you fit in that receptacle? And now if you pour in, into there, you have a third or a fourth or whatever it is of energy to give to that. And you'll get there much faster, much quicker. And that the concentration of that energy into that singular project is going to be much more meaningful and focused and pay off faster. Yeah, let, me, let, me, let me help out mathematically a second. What you've described is more brilliant than that. You've got a vessel that equals 20 small cups. Let's say it's 21 ounce cups. You have a 20 ounce glass and there's 21 ounce cups. Now, the book is just as important in your mind, in your ADHD brain, as the other 19, right? Yeah. And that's okay. Let's make them all equal, right? Mm -hmm. Take 19 glasses off the table and pour all of that juice, pour, pour the juice until that glass is full. Mm. Do you know what you have? You have a full ounce glass, right, of juice, and then you've got 19 ounces left over to administer back into that glass when it's empty to administer into another glass, but probably back into that glass until the project is done. But if you pour every last drop into 20 projects, you have nothing left. You have nothing left to give and you can't re-up, right? You can't, let's say this is your glass for the year. Yeah, this is your you jar have. for the year. Mm -hmm. That's all you had to give into that book or to that song or into that building that you're building or into that skateboard you're putting together or that car you're repairing. That's all that you gave. You gave one ounce once that year. And that's all you had because you gave 19 ounces to everything else that year. And that's where I was in 2015. I didn't have something that I gave all of it to, right? And now shit's different. I've got instead of 20 glasses, right? I've got 20 ounces of energy of life force and I've got five glasses, right? Now that's not one, that's not most efficient, Right. But it's a hell of a lot different than two. It's better. It's better. It's way better. It's and, a fourth. And right? your challenge is going to be how do you bring that down even further? Because we really, even having five projects is a lot. Yep. I mean, we can only, a human memory can only handle a list of five to seven things. And that's neurotypical, folks. <laughs> right? So, ADHD yeah. brain. Can we realistically be managing five different projects at once effectively, well, with all of our energy and honestly no. say that it's 100%? No. No. So the, the challenge still, and I know you're still working on this and you've done a lot of improvement and kudos to you for doing that. The challenge now is to continue to think about what's important for me. Then in 70 years, I'm not thinking about where did the time go? But you know where your time went. You know exactly where it went. Every day yeah. where it went is on where you intended it to be. Right. Where you chose to put your time, where you developed and honed your energy and put your passions into that thing. And you sacrificed, not for other people, but you sacrificed for this greater vision of something that you know is, is there and is tangible and you can accomplish, but it takes your own focus energy to get there. Yeah. Setting out to accomplish one thing, big project, and then accomplishing it eventually is a feeling like none other 
and astronomically greater than the feeling of half or less accomplishing 10 things, 20 things, 50 things, 100 things. Giving a percent of your energy to 100 things is that are successful is far less fulfilling than giving 100% of your energy to one thing and it being successful. Trying to get to where Aaron's at right now. <laughs> trying to get to Aaron. I'm trying to, you know, like when, some, when, when someone texts you, like, get on my level, I'm trying to get on Aaron's level. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. It's too late to be saying you got to go full tilt, Bozo, because you're only giving a little spark of that. We are attention. If you lose that, you're not attention. Pay attention. Pay attention.